So when our boys were playing Little League Baseball and they made a good play in the field or got a good hit at bat, puff my chest out, say, like father, like son. Or maybe they came home with a good grade on the report card. And I said, yeah, like father, like son, you know. So we like that, right? As fathers, when our children do well, we like to take credit for that, you know, as they like father, like son. It's not so good, though, when the kids would misbehave, do something they shouldn't have done, and Cindy would say, like father, like son. (laughs) That's not so good, right? Or if they make a mess or something and, yeah, like father, like son. We have that expression, don't we? Like father, like son. And we understand it uh, in all its good and bad ways. This principle is also true when it comes to spiritual matters. Uh, And we want to examine the idea of how as fathers, as parents more in general, but specifically as fathers, how that we will be influencing our kids in spiritual ways and spiritually very much so it is like father, like son. We want to investigate that for just a few minutes in our study this morning. Let's stop here to, uh, to add a word of welcome to those that have already been extended. We're glad to have this opportunity to be together on this Lord's Day. Uh, we are blessed with beautiful weather here in Middle Tennessee. And on this Lord's Day, we are especially blessed to be able to be together to worship God. Thank you for being here to be a part of it. We appreciate you very much. As we study along together this morning... Make sure that everything that is said is accurate to the Word. We don't want to misuse God's Word in any way whatsoever. Make sure we're using the Word correctly. But then, of course, listen with an ear toward application. That's, that's what it's all about, right? It's, this is not just an interesting philosophical discussion. This is about living God's will in our lives, being the kind of people He wants us to be. And so as we look to the Word and we see areas where we can change and improve, we need to do that. Thanks for being here this morning. I want to start out by uh, looking to an Old Testament situation where this sort of like father, like son thing is specifically mentioned in the Bible. I want you to recall back in your Old Testament history, remember when the northern kingdom of Israel had been very wicked, they had sinned, uh, they were punished, they were led off into captivity by the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians had a practice of when they... When they conquered a people, they would take them out of their homeland, but then they would bring other people and transplant them there. And so the people who were transplanted in in the area of northern Israel were the people in the New Testament we read of as the Samaritans. The New Testament Samaritans were the descendants of those people that had been brought in by the Assyrians. Of course, when they came in there, they were idolatrous people, but they began to suffer some hardships, some, some difficulties. And they were certain that the God of the land was against them. And so they decided they, they made a plan. And they brought back one of the priests that had been exiled. They brought him back to teach them about the God of Israel. We, of course, believe him to be the one and only true God. But, but, the, but the, these people living the, the Samaritans, the, the, the ones who would become known as the Samaritans, they're living in the land of Israel. They bring back a priest to teach them about the God of the land. That was their opinion. In Second Kings chapter 17, verse 39, that priest that they brought back had very simple instruction for them. The Lord your God, ye shall fear. 
if you want these troubles to go away, do you remember in that episode, we read it not too long ago in our daily Bible readings, that actually lions uh, were coming in and, and causing havoc in the land. And this priest said, if you want these troubles to go away, the Lord your God, ye shall fear. So that, that was the right instruction. So they set up a priesthood. They took some of the lowest and vilest of the people and they, they set up a priesthood to nominally worship the true God. But they continued to worship their idols. It says, how be it, they did not hearken, but did after their former manner and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children. Notice this, as did their fathers, so do they to this day. You get the idea? That's the principle, isn't it? That's like father, like son. These idolatrous people uh, uh, that had been brought to live in northern Israel, they continued to do their evil things and their children imitated them. Now, there's a principle there that we want to develop, and that principle is just very simply stated, like father, like son. And that's not just true when our kids do a good thing on the ball field. That's true of them in a more important way when it comes to spiritual things. For instance, let me suggest to you that your children are very likely going to learn from you and they're going to imitate you in some very important areas. For instance, your children are going to learn from you if you demonstrate any spirit of compromise about spiritual things. We're going on vacation Oh, we've really been looking forward to this vacation. We're gonna, we're gonna, we've got it all mapped out. We've got it planned where we're gonna go. We're gonna, we're gonna go to the amusement park in Atlanta and we're gonna go, uh, down to the beach in Florida and, oh man, we're just gonna have this glorious time. Now, we're gonna be gone over a couple of Sundays on this vacation, but it is vacation after all. And so we're not going to worry about trying to worship during those times. Uh, we'll get back to worshiping when we, when we come back home after our vacation is over. And so our kids are watching. And they're watching us while we've gone off on vacation. And they realize we're not worshiping. We're not, we're not making any effort to worship while we're away. Or maybe here's this father and he's got a chance to work overtime this Sunday. I don't tell you, man, they really pay good on Sunday. You know, if, if you're working and you've already got some overtime built up this week and they put you on to an opportunity to work Sunday, it might be double time on Sunday. You know, that's a lot of money. And I just cannot look the other way. When that kind of money is on the table, I'm, I'm not going to go to church this Sunday. I'm going to work this Sunday. Now, understand, I have the option. I could turn that down, but I just can't leave that kind of money uh, untaken. I'm going to work. I'm not going to church this Sunday. My kids are watching me. You know what my kids learn when they see that sort of thing in me? They learn that at least sometimes God can take second place. At least sometimes there can be things more important than doing the will of God in my life. They're watching that. Maybe it's a ball game. You know, my son, he's the star pitcher on the Little League baseball team. I mean, I just, and I just love to watch him throw that baseball. I mean, he can throw that thing. He is so good. But it's playoffs. It's playoffs and it's Sunday. And my son is, if they're going to win, he needs to pitch Sunday. And so we're going to go to the ball game. We're not going to go to church Sunday. Has that ever happened? Man, that's happened a bunch of times, hasn't it? 
That's happened a bunch of times. Uh, I've got a headache. I'm feeling just a little bit sick today. Not feeling just on top of the world. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make any effort to go to services. I worked yesterday with this same headache, and I will go to work tomorrow with this same headache. But I'm just going to stay home today and take it easy. It's Sunday after all. What about that? I want to. I want to tell you, you've planted a seed. With all that sort of thing, we can multiply those kind of examples. You have planted a seed. Uh, And the seed is very much stated in this way. God can take a back seat sometimes. Not always. In fact, mostly not. Mostly we do put God first, but sometimes we compromise. I'll tell you something. Successful parents never compromise. Successful parents don't do that. All right? Your kids will learn that spirit of compromise. And I'll tell you, you can do the right thing, and we've said this before, but I'll just repeat it to you again. You can do the right thing a hundred times and then compromise just once. And they will pick up that compromise faster than all the hundred times you did the right thing. Our kids will learn from us. And it will be like father, like son. And I'll tell you something, and we'll repeat this again later. But they're going to take that farther than you did. They saw you compromise. They will learn that spirit of compromise. They will take it further than you took it. They will compromise more than you did. Like father, like son. There's so many passages. You know this one. This is a very familiar one, right? Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. We've got to keep God first. It always has to be so. We cannot compromise that. For lots of reasons, we can't compromise that. And one of the reasons we can't compromise that is because our kids are watching. And they will learn that spirit of compromise from us for sure. Our kids will pick up on our attitudes toward our brethren. How do your kids, what do they learn from you in how you feel about your brethren in the local congregation? Do they learn love and service? Do they learn to think well of their brothers and sisters in Christ? Or, on the other hand, do they learn to gripe and complain and to criticize everything that's done, to find fault with others about almost everything? What do they see in you in regards to your attitudes toward your brethren? Statistics say that among kids who are brought up in Protestant denominations, we're not talking about the church per per se, but we're talking about Protestant denominations. Among kids that are brought up in Protestant denominations, two-thirds of them leave and don't come back. That's a pretty startling statistic when you think about it. And that obviously also suggests the trend that's happening in our society is that just compounds generation after generation. And religiosity, if you want to use that word, is on serious decline in America. And so kids are, are quitting. Why are they quitting? Well, there might be lots of reasons. But don't be surprised if kids grow up to, can we say it this way, leave the church. Don't be surprised if that happens. Why, why would they want to be a part of something that is so bad? They heard you as parents demeaning and and degrading the church and the people in it all the years they were growing up. Why would they care to be a part of that? 
It is so bad. My mom and dad told me so. If you have bad attitudes toward your brethren, your kids likely will have it too. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, or excuse me, if there, if therefore is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. I want to tell you, if we treated our brethren like this consistently, our kids would learn a wonderful example and want to follow it. But if not, if we don't have this kind of good attitude toward our brethren, this love and concern and care and service toward our brethren, if we don't have that, I'll tell you, the results will be bad for our kids. And that's almost guaranteed. So, like father, like son, what are your children seeing in you regarding your treatment of your mate? This is another important relationship area of of real serious and great concern. Your kids are going to grow up and they're going to get married. And maybe for lots of us, our kids are already grown up and married. What kind of husband is your son going to be? What kind of wife is your daughter going to be? I can answer that. I can actually answer that. Sons are going to be husbands like they saw their fathers be. Daughters are going to be wives like they saw their mothers be. And that's just true. That is just absolutely true. It will be like father, like son, like mother, like daughter in regards to the kind of mates they grow up to be. If they've seen love and concern and communication and perseverance even through the hard times of married life and the ability to say, I'm sorry, and the ability to forgive the other one when he says he's sorry or she's sorry. If they see that, they learn that. That's all good. But on the other hand, if they see harsh, mean, and unloving treatment, then they're going to learn that too, right? They're going to learn to be husbands and wives like they see in their fathers and their mothers. It is also true, it's just inevitably true, that broken homes produce broken homes. How will it be? Do you live out in front of your kids, do you live out the kind of instructions we read in Ephesians chapter 5? Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Fathers, do your sons see you doing that? Do your sons see you loving your wife? Really? Genuinely? Obviously? Do they see you loving your wife? They're learning. Fathers, your sons are learning from you how to be a husband. You know, I really believe that. This instruction, husbands love your wives, is so important. It really encompasses everything about a husband's duty. And we could break that down into a lot of subcategories. But it really encompasses all about a husband's duty. And it's been pointed out lots of times before. If a husband does that, 
then it's going to be easy for his wife to fulfill her part of the relationship. But it is absolutely true that the the husbands, the fathers, are the spiritual leaders of their families. And like Harry Truman, like President Harry Truman said, the buck stops here. The ultimate final responsibility is here. Fathers, you must set this example before your sons. You need to love your wife the way God tells you to love her. But, of course, wives have responsibility too. You mothers realize your daughters are watching. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as unto the Lord. Wives, are you willing to be submissive like the Word teaches you to be? Your daughters are watching you in that. Verse 33, that same text says, The wives see that she reverence her husband. Are you doing that? Are your daughters seeing you do that? And so again, we're setting examples. Our children are going to imitate the examples they see in us. What about the examples we set? Now, I'm not talking about the examples that we set before people of the world. That's obviously all important. I'm talking explicitly this morning about the example that we, our kids see in our homes. What they see in us. What about speech and dress and conduct? For instance, when it comes to speech, you know, they see me get mad. I, I get provoked. I'm really angry and I let some cuss words fly out of my mouth. That guy that cut me off in traffic, I'm going to tell him what I think of that. He'll never hear me, of course, but my kids in the back seat will hear me say that. They hear me use that kind of foul language. And what do they learn? They learn to react that same way. They learn to do the same thing. Jesus warned in Matthew 12, beginning verse 36, I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I'll give account. Jesus says ultimately in the final judgment day, I will give account for those evil words. That's enough to, uh, enough warning to make me correct that if I have that problem in my life. But I'll tell you, my kids will suffer from that. They'll suffer from what they heard from me even before the final judgment. That kind of bad example will sink in with them. What about the way I dress? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. You know it well. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. What are your children seeing in you in regards to the way you dress? Uh, maybe a, maybe a mother wears her clothes just a little bit too tight. Maybe the neckline just a little bit too low cut. Uh, more revealing attire. Not, not excessive. Mind you, not excessive. It's not, it's not just horrible. And on, on a scale of, that the world would measure, it's just it's not terrible. But I'll tell you, your daughters will take that further than you took it. Or maybe, you know, the husband, the father, you know, he, he gets out and mows the grass without his shirt on. Or he wears shorts, you know, and no reasonably, reasonable length short, maybe, as the world judges that. But when, they, when he sits down, his shorts come up to mid-thigh and his kids see that. It, it's okay to show your thigh. Dad does it all the time when he's wearing his shorts. And so the daughter then, the daughter says, why can't I wear a miniskirt to mid-thigh? Dad... When dad wears his shorts, all the time we see his shorts right up to mid-thigh. 
Why can't I wear a dress that shows my leg that much? Like father, like son. Like mother, like daughter. Like father, like daughter. You see it? They're learning from us. They're taking that in. I'm telling you, there's nobody in the world who's watching you any. God, of course, watches us closer. But in this world, there's no one watching you closer than your kids are watching you. How about how I treat others? And so the, the clerk at the checkout in the, in the grocery store, I'm real ugly to her. She made a mistake and I just, I just absolutely let her have it. Or maybe I'm mean and demanding to the waitress at the restaurant. Or maybe I've had words with my neighbor or perhaps just a total stranger and I just let him have it. I told him off. What are my kids seeing? James 3 verse 13 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior and his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Are you wise and understanding? Then guard your behavior. Practice a little gentleness, James says. What are your kids seeing you? What, are they, what example are they learning from you? Like father, like son. Finally, let me ask you, what do they see in you concerning the concern for the lost? This, again, is one of our most important areas of responsibility. And our kids will see if we take seriously our responsibility in sharing the gospel message with those who are lost around us. Do they see us making efforts to teach our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers? Have they ever seen you have a Bible study in your home? Do they see you engaging in personal work efforts on your own or either those that are organized by the local congregation? Do they see you supporting evangelistic efforts? For instance, we've got a gospel meeting coming up in just a few weeks. Do they see you supporting that? Or do they, or, or do they say, well, we might go one or two nights of the gospel meeting, but we got other things going on that week. We probably won't make it the rest of the time. Do they see that? What do they see? They're learning all the time. Do you remember the episode in Acts chapter 8? I know you do. Acts chapter 8, beginning verse 1. At that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I think we've always been impressed with this last expression about those Christians, even under persecution, when they, when they had to flee from Jerusalem. They were scattered abroad, but they went everywhere preaching the word. They, those, those saints had learned that by... The, observing the apostles because prior to this the apostles themselves had been harshly persecuted and they saw that and the pers- and the and the apostles persevered they rejoiced even in being persecuted these christians learned that and so they did it too they imitated the apostles but i was just wondering what do you think the children of those persecuted christians learned because you got to believe that as those christians were scattered from jerusalem some of them had kids And those kids got scattered with their parents. What did the parents do? The parents kept on keeping on. They did not give up. They were, even under persecution, they were preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. And their kids saw that in them. What what do our kids see in us when it comes to concern for lost souls even? They're learning a lesson. I want to suggest you, and I think you could probably expand this list, but I hope you have to agree. Here's, here's some really important categories or areas where we've got to be concerned. 
Like father, like son is a true statement. It just is. And we all know that it is. It's true. And it's true about us. Are you setting that right example before your kids so that they learn to grow up to be God-fearing people who want to do the will of God in their lives? Thanks for your good attention what we've had to say. I hope it's helpful and encouraging. I think this is an area where we can all make improvements and do better, and we need to. Thanks for listening. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, make sure your life is right with God. And if it's not, let us help in making it so. If, if you need the prayers of the saints, if you're a Christian and in need of the prayers of the saints, we'd be glad to pray with you and for you so you can leave this place justified in the sight of God once more. If you're not yet a Christian, we urge you to learn and obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.